Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. There are so many topics to talk to you guys about, but I want to talk to you guys about parenting. And the reason behind that was because on Monday, I spent the day at the pediatrician's office and saw so many babies. It was insane. And I'm not like usually I'll go to the pediatrician's office on the weekends because, you know, it's just easier with the kids activities. Weekends were just more simple and it was quiet there. But because the kids are off for the summer, I said, hey, what the hell? Let's just go on a Monday. Why did I make that decision? (laughs) And it's not like it's not a bad pediatrician. I actually love their pediatrician too. Oh, this woman is amazing. But there were so many new babies. There was one baby that literally, I think she was just born like the week prior. Like her mom had her in the car seat and the whole cover covering her. And then she had like the mosquito net, like the bug net around the baby. And you can tell immediately that she was a new mom. Why? Because every time another little kid would like go by the car seat, she would swivel it around nervously wondering if that (laughs) wondering if that kid had like a cold or something and I have to admit I was that parent too like I used to get scared and I used to be like oh my god like my kid doesn't really have shots what if one kid here has the measles and their parents isn't giving them the you know they're not getting vaccinated like it was a hot mess and I have to say that I was a hot mess when when my oldest was born I felt like I had went through so much while I was pregnant with her that I was just like no it's like value this baby and just oh it's amazing but being pregnant with her was not the not the easiest it wasn't she was three days late I would walk all through Brooklyn trying to get this baby to come down and she wouldn't come down and then finally I go into labor at night go into the hospital I didn't dilate completely I got to five finally I get to have drugs like six almost six hours later of just straight labor pains I have my drugs feeling good and ready for this baby to come out they break my water and then they find out oh baby pooped inside so we got to take you into the OR we have to give you an emergency c-section And then I was like, okay, fine, do whatever, just get her out. Like, I need her out. And they take her out, and I hear her cry, and there's this, like, you know, blanket cover. There's, like, this smell of just, like, burning flesh in the room. It was just, it was not the prettiest. And then I had to share a room with, like, two pregnant ladies. I had just given birth to their baby. And mind you, the first one left like the same day that I got into the shared room, like the recovery room. And then the second time, the second woman that came in right after her apparently had had a C-section as well. And she was like, I don't know what happened. Like she was in so much pain. She was passing out and they had to take her back to the hot, like take her back into the, um, into the operating room. And then they brought her back and she, it, it was a hot mess. And because I didn't really care so much about the people around me, I was so focused on my own kid that I was like, screw that. And I was so freaked out because they said she had swallowed, um, meconium, which is poop. And, 
I was nervous. I was like, oh my God, like my baby, like I have to. And then I started nursing and then that was a hot mess because my nipples, sorry guys, my nipples got all cracked and they started bleeding. And I was like, oh my God, nobody tells you this shit. No one. You read it, right? Because when you're pregnant, you read through all these books that talk about how beautiful pregnancy is and how your baby's growing. And if your baby's like the side of a seed and a watermelon at something and just all that beautiful stuff. <laughs> People tell you when you're pregnant, oh my God, it's such a wonderful thing. And it's right. It's true. It is amazing. It is something that is completely magical. You have two heartbeats in one body two brains in one body and at one point you are housing and creating like holding life in your body and as a woman I'm sorry men but that is that is the strongest thing in for me is like women have the ability to hold life we feed it we give it nutrients we are developing their brains literally as you know you're walking you could be taking a dump and your baby's just chilling (laughs) in your belly just and i didn't mean to say like taking a dump but it's true it is one of the most beautiful things in the world but they don't tell you about the very very difficult parts of it and then when they do they scare you right like uh when <laughs> when i went for my 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 checkups and my ultrasounds they were like okay we're going to look for these abnormalities and we're going to check for this and you have to and i was just like what what abnormalities what are you talking about and i kept thinking in my head like okay back in the day right when there was none of this stuff women would just house these babies and do their best to make sure that their baby would come out as healthy as possible but you know being pregnant and 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 doing all that it's it's so it's such a good feeling so when my oldest was born I literally was just like oh my god like this is beautiful and then the pain from having a c-section kicks in because all you're thinking about is I just had a baby and I'm feeding this baby and I'm giving this baby food. Like not only was I eating to feed the baby, but now the baby's out of me and I'm feeding the baby with boob milk. <laughs> I'm try- And I yelled. I remember yelling at the nurse, don't give the baby formula. And I remember telling her dad, like if they're going to take the baby to the NICU to like weigh her and stuff like that, you better go in there with them and make sure they do not give that baby formula. And, you know, they came back and I was having such a hard pro like I was having a hard time because even though she was latching on and drinking milk, she wasn't doing it properly. So I was actually causing myself more problems because I didn't want to move her because she was actually eating and I was in so much pain, just discomfort. It was bad. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, so much pain. And then they let you go and then they let you take your baby home. And then it's like no one prepares you for when the baby's home right and then when she was born like two weeks later I ended up sick with the flu she had gotten her flu shot I got sick with the flu and I ended up on Tamiflu and (laughs) and her dad was working I wasn't working and he wasn't able to take the time off to stay at home with us so I was at home sick as a dog 
taking care of a newborn and trying to cough into a pillow while recovering from surgery, picking up the baby, changing her diaper, and all that jazz. And I was just like, this is the worst thing ever. But whenever she would smile, fart, because there's there's something really to smile about once she passed gas she would smile and i would be like oh my god this is so cute because adorable and i think every parent thinks that their kid is adorable but babies just look like little old people like just wrinkly thingies it's <laughs> just amazing and then i i have nieces and i have nephews and i remember changing their diaper and i remember my niece telling me about the poop going out the back and just this gross thing and I was like that won't happen to my baby are you kidding my oldest had poop up her front through her back onesie in her hair and I remember turning her to like nurse her and she I'm holding her back and as she's breastfeeding she pooped at the same time she laughed because milk came out her (laughs) milk came out of her mouth and then she poops right up her back and where does it hit my hand why because she wasn't wearing a onesie (laughs) and just giving her a bath (laughs) so i had poop on my hand had poop on my pants (laughs) it's just none of these things no one tells you and when they tell you you're oblivious to it because you're just like oh just not my baby no bitch yes every baby does it (laughs) every baby does it so on monday i sat there and i was just like oh you have no idea what you're in for (laughs) You have no clue. And I've had friends who had their first kid after I had mine. And I literally would tell them everything. Like, be prepared. Get nipple cream if you plan to breastfeed because it's going to hurt. And you might have some dry cracking. Switch back and forth because nobody's even though I did have um and usually at the hospital when you are nursing a a lactation specialist will come into the room and tell you you have to alternate boobs like half an hour on one half an hour on the other 15 minutes on one 15 minutes on the other so that both can have the same amount of like milk production right I did that but my oldest had a preference on boob like she didn't like one so when she was full when she would get hungry again, I would give her on the... So I literally was booby alternating per meal, which was not good. And I learned that the hard way because one boob would be leaking profusely and then the other one would be filling up. So it was just not a good, <laughs> not a good thing. And, you know, I had my friend and I was telling her like, hey, listen, get your booby cream. If you're going to breastfeed, this is a cool pump. And then be prepared. Buy as many freaking onesies as possible. And if you're going with the uh, baby um, disposable, not the non-disposable, the reusable diapers, like the cloth diapers, if you're going to use that, buy a shit ton because babies poop like is no other. And get as many freaking wipes as possible. And... So my oldest got bigger and, you know, time went on. And when B came around, it was no longer a question of going into labor. I literally was like, I don't ever want to feel that pain again. Going into labor is one of the worst, one of the worst feelings in the world. I have had surgery (laughs) to have my children. And I would rather do that than go through labor. 
that sounds strange. And I hope to God that I'm not the only person who says this. But it's true. Labor pains suck ass. Not only does it hurt, but then it feels like you have a golf ball coming out of your front and your butthole. So it's literally like just this constant just pressure and you feel like you have to go and just <laughs> like I don't know. So B came around and my pregnancy with B went perfectly fine and she was good and healthy and I was big and round <laughs> and I carried all through the front and my feet were swell my feet were swollen. The only time I got motion sickness or morning sickness was when I'm when I was on the train and that was the worst morning sickness made me just want to give up because I was like this sucks I would walk around with ginger candies I would walk around with like lollipops I would literally walk around with like hospital bag um vomit bags why because I would puke on the train and I've been that chick to puke on the train without a bag, and that's embarrassing. <laughs> so I would always walk around with one. Like, whenever I would go to the pediatrician's office or the doctor's office or an ER with my mom, with anyone, I would snatch some of those up. And now I think ERs are probably going to prohibit me from being in there. But no babies now anytime soon, so I'm good. So I just... And then with B, it was completely different. I grab my pillow I had my beautiful beautiful um my kids aunts my girls aunts and their uncle had came with us to the hospital they stayed with um my oldest while B was being born and then that was it I went into surgery they gave me my anesthesia which that was the only thing that really bothered me is anesthesia makes me sick makes me nauseous it makes me puke and then I had B. And then B came out. And for a little time, she didn't, like, for a second, she it took her a minute to start crying. But once she cried, that's it, it was over. She just didn't, <laughs> she didn't stop. And then she came out, and she was this beautiful bunch of fat. <laughs> she was so huge. But recovery time for her was slightly longer than it was for my oldest. And they say the more C-sections you have, the longer the recovery time is and the harder it is. But... I, the number one thing that I learned was that I couldn't sit still. Like, you can't. Like, you can't just sit back while you have a C-section. You've got to get up and you've got to move no matter how freaking painful it is. Do not think so much about the pain. And then on top of that, I did not like the pain medication they gave me. Like, I don't like feeling high as a kite. I wanted to be present in parenting my baby. So I took, like, just the ibuprofen that they give you. And I remember the nurse going, are you sure? And then sometimes these nurses are assholes. Because you could literally, I literally remember having B and getting in the bed after surgery. And then maybe midday later, the nurse came in and was like, okay, you have to get up. And I was like, what? She was like, you got to get up. You got to move. We got to take you to the bathroom. We got to walk you around the room. We got to make sure you can hold the baby. And I was like, oh, crap. Like something you forget that you have to do. Literally, I was just like, crap, this again. Okay. 
to get up and it's it's painful it is it's painful you just were cut open so it's painful and then you know that's it nursing and because I had already in the back of my mind all right alternate constantly alternate make sure that you've got good flow and make sure baby's good make sure she's latching so B was very easy B was like all right a breeze and it was good and then with MJ it was again plan c-section um my cervix did open up when I was about seven months and that was scary because I was like seven months he's not big enough to like stay out like he like he would have to stay in the hospital like I wouldn't be able to take him home so I was like no like he's got to stay in there so I remember going to the ER and and them like laying me upside down and then you know after a couple hours and after a day like they let us go home because everything went back to like normal quote-unquote normal and then this and then the genetic testing gets done and then you're scared because it's for some reason, they scared the crap out of me because they were like, oh, well, his pinkies on his fingers and his pinkies on his toes are curved in and that could be a sign for Down syndrome and we have to do these tests. Like, And they wanted me to get an amnio and I was like, you know what, no, is there other exams that we can get? And they were like, yeah, sure. Like, So they did like a blood test and everything came out fine. Everything was like, you know, everything was cool. And then MJ was born. It was time to deliver. And when it was time for deliver, Juan actually felt kind of gypped. Because <laughs> there wasn't anything for him to do except stroke my hair and be support while the doctors did everything. So we have this beautiful, lovely picture of MJ covered in just body goop and amniotic fluid with his balls just <laughs> hanging in the air <laughs> and so we have that picture at home and I think it's the only picture I have of any of my kids when they first come out when they initially come out and it, it was be I think it's a beautiful picture some people may think it's gross but I think it's a beautiful and that was it like MJ went to the NICU to you know he got checked out am I saying it right the NICU I think I am. So he went to, the, I guess, the, or maybe the nursery. Like He went there, the nursery station or whatever, and then he got checked out. And everything was fine. And then because this was my third, I was getting cold. So they took me to the recovery section first. And then I got heating blankets put all over me. And um, when Juan came by to check up on me, I literally, like, I opened my eyes and I was like, okay, where's the baby? And he's like, he's okay, he's just over there, just give him a second. And I was like, no, I want my baby, <laughs> I want my baby. And I did it with all of them. Like, the minute they came out, I was like, skin to skin is important. I am their mother. They need to know me. <laughs> so we asked the nurse to bring the baby, and then that's it. Like, the minute MJ came to me, it was like, oh, right on the boob. Because I wanted to nurse. Like, I wanted to be their, like, their basis of nutrition, and I thought it was really important. I still think it's important to nurse, but it, it really all depends on each kid. And turned out that MJ was tongue-tied, so he wasn't latching on properly. And he couldn't latch on properly. So when we had brought him home, we got his tongue snipped. And then bringing him home was like another big thing because, because once he was home, it was, that's it. It was 
he was home. And there was nothing, 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 nothing that the girls would not do for their baby brother. They would go grab bottles the minute they heard him crying. He, they would come and help. And it was such an amazing feeling to, to know that being able to have those conversations with them before MJ came around and tell them like, hey, there's a new baby coming and, you know, things are going to change and, and not crazy changes, but they were going to get better and there was going to be a new baby and hoping that they would understand. And B was so little that, you know, I really was just like, she's going to be the one to have like a hard time because her and MJ, they're not close in age, but they're, they're not that far apart. So, you know, there's not that big of a gap because my oldest is four years older than her sister so with MJ and B those two have such this crazy intense bond and to me I just attribute that to them being in daycare together and them growing up together and learning things together and then her protecting her baby brother because even now you know he's getting bigger he's three and she's five and she's like you know he's still a baby for her he's still a baby and I I think sometimes that's like because he doesn't necessarily you know speak it's so she's just like babies don't speak and MJ doesn't speak so I have to take care of him and he's a baby and I have to give her that and I'm just like okay like it's fine like up, oh, sorry like it's okay it's fine like don't worry he's not such a baby like you don't have to cuddle him like he's okay and she's like no that's my baby so she's legit like that's that's her that's her boo <laughs> that's her everything like he's and then and it's such a weird thing like when you when you are a parent and your kids get older, you learn that each one of them has their own unique relationship with each other. Like your goal as a parent before anything is to make sure that they're healthy, make sure that they're taken care of, and you're doing your job to do that. And then the next most important <laughs> the next most important thing is to make sure that they're sorry about that so I got a little knock at the door okay so the next most important thing is that they have a connection with each other literally together that they're connected that they get along and I have siblings like I have older siblings and then from my adoptive family and then I have younger siblings from my my birth mother she it, it's insane like I have the technically both worlds like I am the baby in one and then I'm the oldest in the other so having those relationships with my siblings like not all of you guys are going to get along that's granted as you know the kids are home it is summer break so you'll hear them knocking on the door just bear with me so yeah so not all the siblings are going to get along like that's just a thing but you try your best to kind of uh help them through that so when my oldest was just, it was just her and me, she had cousins to hang out and play with. But I felt bad. I really did. Like, I felt bad. And I think it's important that even if you have, you know, two kids or one kid or three or five, you make it a point as a parent to be as involved in their creative. It's important to take those steps and, and be involved in their creative, you know, when their creative juices are flowing. Like I can't tell you the amount of stories I've heard and 
they range <laughs> so wide. Like, you know, when my oldest was little, she would tell me stories about bunny rabbits and and she would take things from like movies she's seen. Um, when she was younger, her favorite movie was like The Princess and the Frog. And after that, like all her stories would be about a frog. And then it and then they this frog would go on adventures and you know, it was just amazing. And then I couldn't shut her up, you know, because they're kids. They're not gonna be quiet. Like no matter how much. And if they are, then you know, hey, lucky you. <laughs> but honestly, I would rather the kid I would rather a child be creative. I would rather them, you know, create their own like universe and and enjoy it and be a kid. And I feel like sometimes when parents have kids, we have this idea in our head like, okay, this is the parent that I want to be. But you don't always live up to that because, of course, life changes and each child is completely different completely different no kid is the same there's no way you're gonna get the same kid unless you have twins (laughs) but it's important for you to be involved and and be like present and I was a working mom I I had a nine to five job and I would get home make dinner and then do homework and it was hard it was difficult And, you know, you're exhausted, you're tired, and you're stressed out because of some shit that happened at work and you're home and you have to cook dinner, you have to double check homework. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But the small moments that your kid brings home a paper from school that said they got like a a four and... And and the and that's the way they kind of, they grade in my oldest's school is like one two threes and fours and fours being like the highest like percentage wise, and you know they come home and they bring you like a four or a three and you're just so excited because they studied and they worked really hard, those little things like that kind that all outweighs all that stress and all that bullshit that happened that day at work, and when they tell you I love you and when they see you and they're excited and all that stuff and then when you're sitting down at dinner and one thing that I can and and I enforce is when it is meal time have meals with them like I've I've and I've actually been the I've actually done the bad thing like there's been times where I give the kids food and then I'll say okay like I'll go work but that's not fair to them and usually like I'll be like okay they're gonna eat lunch like I'm gonna go clean again not fair like that should be a time that we're all sitting down together and having food and I know that's like the old-fashioned way to do things but in my mind, like, my mom always had lunch with me. Like, that was the one thing that my mom was not the type of woman to sit down and play dolls with me. She hated it. So she would torture. <laughs> so when I would ask her, she would torture me. But when it came to, like, meal time, she would sit down with me and eat. You know, she could have eaten a meal beforehand, but she'll eat, like, something small and sit with me while I was eating. So... I like that idea and I think the kids enjoy it too because that's when we talk and and, and sometimes I'm like telling them like hey shh eat your food <laughs> shh, eat your food shh, eat your food but 
because sometimes they get carried away and they forget that, hey, I have a plate in front of me. I should be eating my lunch or my dinner or my breakfast. So all that stuff, like, and then at dinner time, for me, dinner time was like the most important meal to sit with them because if I didn't see them all day, and of course they have stuff that they were doing today, you know, be at preschool or, and you know, she, when she started school, I was actually working. Actually, no, when she was at daycare, I was working. And when she started preschool, I stopped working. So her, she started talking and she was telling me things about happening at daycare. And then my oldest was telling me things about school and we would sit down and have dinner and I would be so exhausted. But those little moments, like those things were important to me as a parent and still are, you know, like I love, like we can, we can go to frozen yogurt and because I eat, I don't eat that stuff you know, we'll go, we'll get frozen yogurt and the kids will have frozen yogurt and I'll sit with them and I'll talk to them and I'll ask them like, Hey, what does that taste like? And then asking them questions like that, you can tell what, like you can in, in a way tell what their mindset is like, Oh, this is so yummy. It's so creamy. Like hearing them describe food, hearing them talk about their friends, hearing them talk about problems. It's just, it's an insane thing to go from a tiny baby which when I see parents at the pediatrician's office holding these tiny, tiny little things and knowing that that's their first, I can't just, I, like a part of me just goes, you have no idea what you're in for. You have no idea how rewarding this job is that you've just given yourself because nobody gives you that job. <laughs> nobody gives you that job. No one. It is a job that you as a woman choose to do right like and and you know with everything that's happening in the world with like you know pro-choice and not pro-choice and all that shit like I try to stay away from those things so you know I see women and I just holding tiny little babies and just seeing them and then I see parents who have had their first their second and they're on to like their fourth and their fifth and they're just like oh my god I can't like they're just amazing and I'm just like Okay, like, hey, you can afford it and you have the patience to do it, then by all means, go ahead. But at the same time, like, make sure you're having that individual connection with each kid because that's really important. As a parent, you know, you need to say, sit down and set that time frame for your children. You need to make sure that they're, they're safe that they feel safe and that they're able to communicate with you as a parent. So for new moms and, and moms who, who you're on your first, your second, whatever, <laughs> I think it's something that they don't really tell you. Like they don't tell you the gross part about being a parent. They don't tell you about the poop going up the back and the vomit and the, the spitting up and how a baby can be kind of allergic to formula like if nursing just isn't for you and you are unable to nurse because there's some women out there that the milk production doesn't really come in so they do have to supplement with formula and then when you're trying to give your baby formula and your baby's having constant spit up like these things they don't really come they don't really tell you in advance that it's a possibility until you're in the situation and it's the same thing for Actually, you know what? To be honest with you, it's the same thing for me. Like with MJ being diagnosed with autism, like 
I knew it was out there. And of course, you know that there are children out there that have it. You know, they're adults, people, you know, this world is full of just everything. It wasn't something that was in my face constantly until it was in my family. And then I started noticing it everywhere. So things like that, you don't really know as a parent because it's you have children and you go, okay, my children are generally healthy and I want to parent them and I want them to be as healthy as possible. You know that the possibility that something can happen and then you go with the flow. But then when it happens, it's all around you. It in a way consumes you because not to say that, you know, MJ's autism consumes us as a family because we don't define him as an autistic child he's just mj and he has autism that's it and i think that that will ben honestly that will benefit him later because he is not defined by his diagnosis and i think for many people that happens for many parents that also happens like i've met parents who have kids on the spectrum and they define their child based on the diagnosis and I don't think that that's fair for the kid because they'll grow up just assuming that they are their diagnosis. I'm autistic. I'm nothing else. I'm just autistic. It's like, no, are you kidding? You're beautiful. You see the world very differently. It's fine. So it's just it, parenting is such a difficult job and it's such a blessing. But there's a lot of things that we don't know as parents. You know, in the description box, I'm going to link an article from the Huffington Post about things that they don't tell you when you're pregnant. And I thought I read the article and I thought it was amazing. So I wanted to link it just so that you can take a look at it, read it and, and see what you think. But parenting is just such an amazing thing. Like there's so like it's such an array and there's so many different ways of parenting like I don't parent the way my mom parented me. My mom was, you know, she spoiled the crap out of me. I don't spoil my kids. Like I teach them to place value in things and work for, you know, work for what they have. Not for food, but if they want a toy or if there's something that they, you know, it's like just an unnecessary thing. Like you have to earn it. Like you don't just get things to get them. And I want them to understand that because I want them to understand that there's goals that you work towards as people and it's more rewarding for that because then you actually place value in that because you've worked hard for it. So, and that's just the way that we at home feel. And if you feel that way, then it, then yes, it's good. Another thing about parenting is putting your bed, like putting your kids to bed early. Like, I know way too many parents who let their kids go to bed late, who don't enforce an early bedtime, and, you know, they're okay with their kid dragging in the morning. And honestly, your kids need sleep. Like, that is when they grow. That's when their, you know, their body's at rest, but everything else goes into high gear, and their brains are just developing and all that stuff and it's not to say that they're not developing during the day but at nighttime is the most important crucial crucial for them they need that rest so for me bedtime is important giving them the right amount of hours making sure they're having a good night's sleep and 
you know, it's, I don't know, like, it's just important to me. Like, I do have friends who tend to, who put, you know, who let their kids just go to sleep whenever. And, and, and that's okay. And it works for them. So if it works for them, then I can't say anything. It's not my place. But for me, my parenting experience, it's important for me to put the kids to bed. Why? Because they're easier to deal with in the morning. And they're more rested and they're more aware of, okay, this is what I have to do in the morning. I have to go to school. During the summertime, they stay up a little bit late, but not, not to the extreme. And then another thing is that when you're parenting and, and it's a new baby and all this, don't feel pressured to take on every person's advice. You know, you can listen to it. And that a lot of that, that's what I did. Like I listened to the advice people gave me. But I wouldn't entirely implement it on the way I parented. I wanted to parent the way I parented. Like, I wanted to do things for myself. So if you're a new mom and you're, or your mom and <laughs> there's, you know, a new baby coming, obviously if you're, a, this is like your second baby, it's like that loves commercial. Like, your first one, you're all parent. And your second one, you're like, eh, I'm fine. I've done this. It's okay. Because honestly, it's the truth. That's what it feels like. First baby's always a headache, always gets you nervous. You're worried about everything under the sun. But thank you for joining me in sound memory lane and listening to me talk about some of the things I feel about parenting and, and some of the things I think that are important. So just a quick preview for next week. We're going to talk with Juan about the ketogenic diet. I figured before having a nutritionist on, you would hear from us about how we personally have felt being on the ketogenic diet. I'm going to stop saying ketogenic. <laughs> about being on the keto diet. Like we're going to talk about all things keto, how Juan actually found it because I had no idea, and then how he felt and pretty much how I kind of joined him on the on the diet and it's actually been a lifestyle for us now. See you guys on the next one. Bye.